Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. I turn my, oh, there we go. Hey, uh, welcome to New Life. Uh, we're, we're excited that you're all here. Man, this is awesome. This is a, a, a great group. I, I'm so thankful that you guys came out. I know uh, sometimes the opinion can be, oh, we got our church on Christmas Eve. We don't need to go on Sunday. And none of you thought that, so that's awesome because you're here. Or maybe you did think that and you got drug here anyway. And so you're here still. But anyway, I'm, I'm excited that you're here. Uh, if you're a first-time guest... Um, I'm especially excited that you're here. Uh, we've thought about you. Um, we've prayed for you. We've been praying for you before we ever had the chance to meet you. And so if you're a first-time guest here today, we're, we're just really excited that you're out here to join us at New Life. I hope that you're enjoying uh, your experience uh, here with us on Sunday morning. If you don't know me, I know I, I said my name a couple seconds ago with announcements, but during announcements, it's like a 50-50 ratio between Worship Center and Welcome Center is what, what I'm realizing. So my name is Mark Lutz. I'm, uh, I'm one of the youth directors here at New Life. The other youth director here at New Life that works with Relevant Student Ministries is Alex DeRosa. He was a guy playing guitar and leading worship this morning. He's awesome. We call him A-Rod. And so we're here, uh, and we're, we're just excited. We're excited to have you. Uh, I was asked if I'd be willing to give a bridging message. And so if we're in one of these really weird situations at New Life that doesn't happen all that often. We're between series, and so we were in a series called um, Christmas at the Movies up through Christmas Eve, and in a couple weeks, we're starting um, weathering the storm or anchors in the storm, and, uh, and so this is one of these bridging messages. I had the opportunity this morning to kind of preach on whatever I wanted to, and I was super, super excited about that. And when I wrote this message, I was actually writing it for a youth retreat that I had the opportunity to speak at, which was awesome. It's at Seneca Hills, and they do a little uh, a retreat called Snow Camp. And so I got a chance to go up there. I was told that I would be speaking to mostly high schoolers that had all basically known the Lord and grown up in the church. And I got there, and it was mostly middle schoolers, many of which had never been on a youth retreat before. Um, and, so, and so I wrote this message, and it shot straight over their heads, completely, <laughs> like, what did he talk about the whole time? So hopefully that won't happen this morning. Hopefully I'm more zeroed in on the audience this morning. Um, when I wrote this message, if you ever had the opportunity um, to sit down and write a sermon, there's some sermons that you sit down and write, and you're like, oh, I wrote a sermon. And there's some sermons that you sit down and write, and afterwards you have to take a nap. Um, because you're just so emotionally invested in what you're writing. I get like, I get like adrenaline when I write a message that I'm really excited about. And then I, I get done, and I'm like, man, i got to go to sleep or something, because this, this is a crazy experience writing. This was one of those messages that I wrote that was like that. And that, well, I'm so excited to be able to share it with you guys this morning. You saw the title of the sermon this morning. It's, I'm so humble, or I am so humble. Um, and, of course, this morning is about humility. And, uh, and humility is just this, really, it's just this essential thing to thriving as a Christian. To be a Christian, man, you, you really need to have this nailed down in order to thrive as a believer, especially in our culture. And I have a take-home point for you. I'm going to kick off with that. It'll give you a little taste, of, you know, of what's coming up. And the take-home point is the one thing that we want you to take home with you and live out in the coming week. And so uh, the take-home point is this. Christianity without humility is hypocrisy. Christianity without humility is hypocrisy. And we're going to get, I'll, I'll dig into that a little bit more here in a bit. 
And so as I was thinking about humility, I realized it's one of these things that the church really does talk about. If we don't say the word humility or humble in service, we oftentimes are, or we talk about pride, which is the opposite uh, of humility. And so we do, we talk about the subject of humility pretty often inside the church. You come into the church, it's something you would think uh, a sermon might be about. Because it's one of these central virtues, because it battles this thing in our culture, in our world, not even our culture, in the whole world, called pride. And pride, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in the church, and so I don't know if anybody else grew up in the church, and you kind of like, you went to Bible studies and small groups, I went to youth group, I went to church, and so in my Bible studies and small groups, you know, and I, you get those really strange questions of youth pastors like me in my first couple years who didn't know how to write small group questions. And so you write things like, what is your darkest secret? <laughs> Kids are like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I say, what do you struggle with the most in your life? <laughs> I'm a 15-year-old boy. I'm not answering that question. And so, and so one of those things, you know, when you get asked, what is the thing you struggle with? The cop-out answer was always, well, I struggle with pride. I struggle with pride. Really, that's my biggest issue. I just struggle. It's like, okay, that's a cop-out answer. Anyone who's alive at one point or another, you call yourself Christian, you have said, I, well, I, I struggle with pride. Okay, so you struggle with pride. Everyone struggles with pride. And so as I was thinking about this, man, I began to think, the pride, though, although I viewed it as kind of like a cop-out excuse to get out of a, an invasive question whenever I was a teenager in a youth group, now I look at it and think, man, Pride is the root of so much evil in our world. You know, it, it's pride that says, I, I don't need to help that individual. It's, it's pride that's oftentimes the root of anger. It's pride that's oftentimes the root of jealousy. It's pride uh, that, is, that is oftentimes the root, and almost always actually, the root of selfishness. Uh, pride is at the root of so many things. It was pride that was in the Garden of Eden that told Adam and Eve that we don't have to just live with God, but we can become like God. It was pride that whispered in, in Cain's ear, because my brother's sacrifice was better than mine, I must kill my brother. It's pride that through the generations of people that have lived have whispered in our ears, you don't need a Savior. It's pride that consistently tells us, I've got this. It's really going to be the theme for this morning. I've got this. It's pride that just, that, that in the back of our head, that's always saying, I've got this. And you can't really look at too many stories in the Bible and encounter the word of God and the will of God when it doesn't come in conflict with man's pride. In fact, you oftentimes see that God chooses the humble and, and the, the faint the people that you would never expect is the people that God oftentimes chooses to use because they're the humble. Because man's pride always comes in conflict with the will of God inside his life. Always. So you see him choose people like Gideon. Or you choose him, see him choose people uh, like, uh, like John the Baptist, who was, a, who was a strange character. You see him choose people like David, who was the youngest and smallest in his family. You see him choose all of these, all these characters who are humble. And one of the stories that I love in the Bible about humility, and if, if you've never heard me preach before, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories. Um, it's just, it's by nature the way I love to speak. And so I'm going to tell you a story this morning. There's not a specific scripture verse, but if you go to 2 Kings chapter 5, you will find the story. Pretty sure about that. You will find the story that we're going to be talking about this morning. And the story we're talking about this morning is about a guy named Naaman. I love Naaman. Naaman is like one of my new favorite stories. I, just, I love the story of Naaman. And I want to start out the story by Naaman to tell you that Naaman was a warrior. 
He was a warrior. In fact, he was such a warrior that he commanded all of the forces for the country that he lived in. So he didn't live in Israel. He lived in a faraway land or maybe a land that just isn't Israel, but he didn't live in Israel. And so he commanded all of the forces of his land. He was like the king's right-hand man. And you only have to watch like one medieval movie to know that uh, the person who commands the forces and the army, watch Gladiator, for, he has all the army behind him and has the respect of the soldiers, is oftentimes possibly even more powerful than the king. They're the ones who overthrow governments. They're the ones who conquer foreign lands. When you have the respect of the soldiers, you have the power within your country. And so although he was second to the king, he had a lot of power. I'm sure he had a lot of wealth. I'm sure he had many, many things going for him. Naaman had a lot of things uh, that he was very blessed with. The one thing that Naaman had that he wasn't blessed with was that Naaman was a leper. And if you don't know about leprosy, it's this terrible skin disease that like, they would say that you turn white as snow. Like it literally is like a living rot that rots away your flesh, your fingers, nose, ears, toes. They just fall off. And leprosy was seen as a curse in this time. And so lepers lived outside the city in leper colonies or in caves or cracks in the rock. They weren't allowed to encounter people. It was believed it was contagious. I think it is contagious. Very contagious thing to have. A, they would live this really lonely, terrible, horrible, painful existence. And ultimately, it just ended up in a very lonely and very painful death. And Naaman had this disease. He had leprosy. says that he had a spot of leprosy, which a spot will eventually kill you. And so Naaman lived as a leper, as though one day he would die. Now, being the king's second in command, he didn't have to go out and live in a cave. He lived inside his home with his servants. And so one of his servants, who was a girl who grew up in Israel, came to him one day, and he must, he must have been a good master of some sort because his servants evidently liked him enough to not want him to die from leprosy, and came to him and said, listen, I come from a land called Israel. And in the land of Israel, there's a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha can do miraculous, amazing things. And he could possibly cure your leprosy. And Naaman's like, well, that sounds like a good deal to me. So he goes to the king and he's like, hey, can I leave the country for a while? The army can listen to somebody else. I'm going to go and get cured of leprosy in this land called Israel. And the king says yes. So he packs up his family and his belongings. And Naaman leaves and he approaches the king of Israel. Now he's supposed to go see Elisha, the prophet, but he approaches the king and he says, king of Israel, will you heal me of my leprosy? Now the king can't heal anybody of leprosy, so it freaks the king out. He's like, man, this guy's coming here asking for something impossible, and then he's going to be like mad that I don't heal him of leprosy, and he came all this way, and then he's going to get his army and attack us. So the king freaks out a little bit, and he's like, ah, I don't know, go see the prophet. Go see the prophet Elisha. And name is like, that's what I was here for anyway. So he leaves, and he goes to see the prophet. And the story tells us that as Naaman approaches the prophet, Elisha comes out and he says to him, if you want to be cured, you need to go to the Jordan River and you need to wash seven times. You need to go to the Jordan River and you need to wash seven times. Now, I've been to Israel. I was at the Jordan River. We had to drive through a minefield to get to it because it's right on the, the Jordan River, divides Israel from the nation of Jordan, and they didn't get along always, so there's a minefield there. So we drove through the minefield to get to the Jordan River, and I got to dangle my feet in the water. And I'll tell you this, it's not a, it's not a river that I would want to be in. It's not even really a river. It's like a swollen creek. Um, it's kind of like a big creek, and 
I would not want to go in it now, like today. And back then, people used rivers for all types of things. I know that because when I was in Haiti, they used rivers for all types of things. They go to the bathroom in the river. They wash their clothes in the river. They wash themselves in the river. Their animals go to the bathroom in the river. Everybody does everything disgusting in the river, okay? And so if I don't want to go in the water today when the river is clean, I can imagine no one wants to go in the water then when it was disgusting. And so Naaman's like, I'm not going in that river. Forget it. In fact, he says, I have better rivers back home. If all I have to do is wash off seven times and my leprosy will be gone, then I'm going back home. I'm not washing in your disgusting river. I have better rivers back home. I'll go wash in one of those rivers. Why don't you send me back there to wash in one of those rivers? And he leaves. I'm not even, he's, I'm not even going to the Jordan River. I'm not even approaching. It's disgusting. I'd have crossed it on my way here. I'm not going in that river. And so Naaman leaves and goes home. In the back of his mind, he hears, I've got this. I've got this. Despite the fact that he's a leper, despite the fact that there's no cure for leprosy, that he knows he will die a terrible death, rather than go to the river, he'd rather go home with I've got this as a leper. And so he leaves. And now when I think of this story, man, I resonate with this story a lot. I resonate with my boy Naaman. That's why I love his story so much. Because there's so many times in my life that I have this thing. Man, I got this sin issue inside of me. I got these issues within me that are, they're just, you know, they're ugly, man. You know, I got these ugly things that need to be dealt with, and yet I won't go wash in the river. I'm not going to go put a foot in the Jordan River because the Jordan River is humiliating. I don't want anybody to see me washing off in my own filth. And I think as human beings, we're all like that to a certain extent. We all have this, I've got this issue in the back of the head, like I have. We, you know, we know what really needs to happen, but it's humiliating, so we won't do it. Like, we know that we need to see a counselor, but we say in our heads, man, I'm not hurting myself that often. I'm not that depressed we know we need accountability because we've been drinking so much, but we would just rather not have the accountability. We know that rehab might help us, but we say in our heads, man, it's only weed, and I have it under control. We say, man, I, I know I have a bad porn addiction going on, but I think I can stop on my own. I don't really need internet blockers. I don't really need accountability. I don't really need anybody to know the filthy things that are in my secret darkest corners of life, the things that I don't want to encounter. We just don't want to handle them. We don't want to deal with them because the river isn't glorious. We don't want someone to see us revealed. We don't want people to know who we really are. We don't want to deal with, and maybe I deal with this thing, man, I'm going to draw closer to God and possibly somebody else may turn and draw close to God for the very first time. But my agenda and my issues and my pride are more important to me than that. So I'm not going to put a foot in that dirty, filthy, disgusting river. And man, I just resonate with that so much because so oftentimes I know what I need to do but it's not glorious things. A lot of times they're simple things like ask for help and I will give it to you. They're things like just simple obedience. They're things like being consistently reading my Bible. They're things like consistently praying. They're things like forgiving myself because God has forgiven me. They're things that offer me freedom, but I'm terrified. 
The people will see me in the dirty river. So I would just rather deal with it myself. And this not so still small voice in the back of my head, and oftentimes in the back of all of our heads, yells. And it isn't the voice of God, and it isn't the Holy Spirit. It's not our conscience. It's It's not a little devil and a little angel on our shoulders. No, what it is, is it's just us yelling, I've got this, no matter the consequences. Now, Naaman had a big, I've got this problem. I'm guessing that most of you in this room, many of you, maybe all of you, have an I got this problem. And and I'm not saying that because I look down on you. I think less of you. I'm saying that because it's just a human condition, and I have a massive I've got this problem. And so did Naaman. And so he said, I've got this, and he left the river. And when he left, we pick up our story with a servant coming to him again. This man listened to his servants. That's awesome. A servant comes to him again and says, listen, Naaman, we came all this way. Now, if this prophet had asked you to do something big, if he had asked you to do something tremendous, if he had asked you to do something courageous and powerful, I know you would have done it. We all know that if he would have asked you to do something awesome, you would have done it because you're an awesome and courageous guy. But he didn't ask you to do something awesome. He didn't ask you to do something courageous. He asked you to wash off in the dirty river. And like, we've come all this way. Isn't it worth trying? And man, my spirit continues to resonate with with Naaman, right? Because there's so many times in my life that I'm like, God, I have this, have this issue going on in my life. And I don't want accountability, and I don't want this, I don't, I don't want help, I don't want everyone knowing about it. But God, give me something great to do, right? I'll climb to the top of a mountain for you. Like, I want to do something awesome for the glory of God and his kingdom. I want to do something truly amazing, But God doesn't ask me to do those things. He simply asks me for obedience. He remains the still small voice in the back of my head saying, Mark, you don't have this. Hand it over to me. Hand it over to me. Wash off in the river. And he keeps saying this to me. And I'm like angry. I'm like, God, don't you understand? Send me to the jungle, to some tribe. I'll go. Send me to the top of a mountain. I'll go. Give me something awesome to do. I'm like, you don't understand, God. I don't want to do this humiliating thing. I want to do something amazing. So in the end of the day, everyone can say, look what Mark has done. Look how great Mark is. You see that thing that he had going on? That was a terrible thing going on in his life. But you see that awesome thing that he did and how, how he just worked his way through all that stuff and he conquered it in his life? See, I don't want God to get glory. We want us to have glory. I don't want God to have the glory. I want me to have the glory. At the end of the day, I don't want people looking down at me and like, wow. He's in the river. I want people to look at me and say, wow, do you see how awesome and courageous Mark is? But isn't that how we are? Oftentimes we're glory thieves. We have this, I've got this thing in the back of our head. And so we don't mind overcoming a sin issue in our life if after that happens and we've overcome it, that everyone says, wow, look how awesome that person is. We don't mind doing something courageous for all to see, but we don't want to be obedient and quiet and still. We don't want to step into the river because we want the glory. Man, it's so true with me, I think. 
Because so often, I, I, I really want, genuinely want to overcome the issues in my life. But I want something awesome to do in order to do it. Because in the end of the day, I want to have the glory from it. And when I step a foot in that river and when I wash and my filth is revealed in front of everybody, I'm humiliated. And I don't get the glory if I come out healed. God does. And, and, and you know what? Oftentimes that's just by nature who we are. We desire to have the glory in our lives. And the story continues in Naaman. This is why I love Naaman. I want to be like Naaman. Because Naaman turns and goes back to the river. And when he goes back to the river, he steps in and he washes seven times. And when he comes out, the Bible says not only does he come out clean of leprosy, but he comes out with skin like that of a boy. He's renewed. You see, this man who had made warfare his living, this man covered in blood and battle scars, calluses and age, comes out with skin like a child. He receives more than he asked for from God because he was willing to be humble and to wash in the filth of his own water. Because he was willing to be revealed in front of people. And so oftentimes, I don't want to do that because I don't want to lose friends. And I don't want to, look, want to lose respect. And, and, and we want to look strong in front of the people that it's important for us to look strong in front of. The truth of the matter is, it doesn't lead to new skin. It doesn't lead to healing. It just leads to the same things over and over and over again. And so I love because Naaman comes out fresh, fresh and new. And he turns and gives the glory to God, a God who had healed him when he returns home to his homeland. And that's crazy to me. Because if I'm honest, so often the spirit that's in me isn't the spirit of humility, but so oftentimes it's the spirit of pride. And it's the thing that mires me and just holds me down. And when I look throughout all the rest of the Bible... I began looking for situations where this muddy river thing and, and washing clean, it came into play and I couldn't find a place where it was more clearly depicted than in Jesus Christ. I mean, what is muddier water? What is more humiliating than the God who created the universe putting himself willingly into the flesh and bones of a human being to be trapped as a man, to be killed? What is more humiliating and what water is filthier than the God who created the universe allowing his son to be crucified and killed? What is filthier and what is muddier and more humiliating than the hands of the creation murdering the creator? And when I looked at it, I was like, oh my, like this has got to become what we're known for. The reason that Christianity without humility is hypocrisy is because if you can't be humble, then you don't know what it is to have a savior. But you can't say, God, come in and save me without first realizing that you desperately need help. Without first realizing what a humble and low state that you're in. And guys, if you're in here this morning, and like, this stuff's all well and good, but I'm not a Christian, and you're talking about humility in terms of being a Christian. I'm not even a Christian. I'm just here today. And guys, humility is where it all starts. 
That's where it begins. It was humility that brought God to earth in the form of Jesus. And for us, the Christian walk begins with humility. It begins with humility. Because we have to start by acknowledging the fact that we need a Savior. And oftentimes in our heads, we hear that, I've got this going on. We hear, I've got this. I'm sure that God will probably send some rapists and murderers to hell, but I've got this. Surely he wouldn't send me to hell. I'm like an above average individual. I'm like, generally, I'm pretty good most of the time. I gave nice Christmas gifts this year. I gave more than I got. Uh, dang it. Um, and, and, you know, like I'm a generally, I'm a pretty good person. So I'm sure that God would send me to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, what the Bible says is this. The Bible says that we've all fallen short. I'm sure you can think in your life to a time when you haven't been perfect, that you've cheated or stolen or lied. God says that all sin, one sin, makes us fall short of the glory of God. One sin is enough to condemn us, but there's no amount or degree of sin that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ once we accept him into our lives. So I ask you this morning, if you're in here and you've never said, Lord, I want you to be my Jesus. I want you to be my Savior, to save me from sin and from death because I can't do this alone because I'm not enough, because I'm not perfect, and you can't live with sin. And also, God, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my owner because I don't even know how to do this thing from here on out. I can't even figure out this life thing. I'm just sort of in, I don't know what to do. Will you be my Savior? Will you be my Lord? Will you lead me? If you're in that place, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, we're going to say a prayer. You're not going to do anything out loud or jump up and down or do jumping jacks or raise your hand or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you, if that's you today, and this is resonating with you, you're hearing these things, and God is speaking to you, not because it's me, but because it's his Holy Spirit, then I just pray that you would pray the prayer with me. And then afterwards, would you just mark on your connection card at the end of service that you committed your life to the Lord for the first time today? So, so we can just send you something and just say, hey, these are the next steps. Because it's the beginning of a lifelong thing. It's not the end of something. So if that's you today, would you guys all bow your heads with me to pray with me? If that's you today, would you, just, would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I don't got this. I never have. Lord, I need you in my life. I need a Savior. I need a Lord. I believe in the truth and sacrifice of your son, Jesus. I'm asking for your grace and for the power of your Holy Spirit. You got this, Father. Amen. And if you're in this place today and you are a Christian, and these things are resonating with you, like as I read Naaman's story, they burdened my heart. Because I recognized not a spirit of humility that lived inside me, but a spirit of pride that was thriving inside of me. And you're saying, listen, I have things in my life that not only do I not tell other people, but I don't even want to approach the subject of them myself. And God, I need you to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to remove these things from my life. And if it's humiliating and if it's losing respect, if it's washing in the muddy water, whatever it takes, I don't care what it is, but there's things in my life that are keeping me from you and ultimately they're keeping other people from you and people will go to hell if I don't start dealing with these things that are in my life right now. And God, I just want you to take it. 
I'm done with I've got this, and I want to just say, you have it. I'm, I'm done with I got this, and I want to say, God, take it. Because I can't hold it any longer, and I can't hold the secret any longer, and I need help. If you're in that place with me today, would you please, would you please bow your heads? We'll pray a prayer for you as well. Would you bow your heads and just pray this with me if that's you today? Father God, we don't have this. We need humility in our lives. Lead us to the river and give us the courage and the humility to go down and wash so that we may come out clean and more like your bride. Amen. As we get ready to close service today, we're going to look at our commitment for this week. Something that we, if, if you're serious about this, we want you to commit to this week. For some of you, this, this might not be the easiest week moving forward. Some of you, it might be the best week of your lives because you're able to set some things down. You're able to find some healing. You're able to be free of some things in your life that are secrets. Our commitment is this. I will think of myself less this week. I had a friend who gave me a definition of humility once. She said her dad taught her this. And said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. So my hope and my prayer is that we become a people who are known for humility. That there's nothing too low. That there's no position too filthy. That there's no person unreachable for us. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for today. And I pray as, as we move forward in this service that we would take this commitment seriously and the take-home point seriously this week. That we would seek first and foremost, Lord, that we would seek you and that we would seek your humility. Your name, amen.